power of the Holy Spirit. And see, we, we don't want to believe this. We don't think we're empowered. And we read the book of Acts and we think, oh, well, those are special times for then. And, and that doesn't happen anymore. But when we look at the Bible in its entirety and we look at 2 Kings chapter 4 through 7, you read about Elisha performing crazy miracles, bringing people that are dead to life, an overabundance of oil spilling out of flask, man of leprosy being healed, him feeding multitudes of people. And you see miracles happening in the Old Testament and you see miracles happening in the time of Jesus. And you see it in the Acts of the Apostles. And this is what I'm trying to drive home, family. Is that the Holy Spirit is still at work. He's still at work. And we are the agents of change whom God uses to bring about healing through bringing the message of hope. Not just praying for people who are sick. Because sometimes God will put you in positions to where you must pray where the Holy Spirit is pressing on your heart to go pray for that person. And I've seen people healed out of hospitals. And that's what I'm telling you, family. It's important that we be sensitive to what God's calling us to do. But, man, just trusting in the power of the Spirit, knowing that, man, what Jesus did on the cross and how he died and he rose again and the promised helper that he said he would send us, this is the power that every single believer has access to. Let us walk in this power, trusting by faith, not by our own strength. Because when we read the text, it seems as though it's Peter's shadow did the healing, when in reality, he was just a vessel by the Holy Spirit. And that's what we need to remember, is the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity at work, doing miraculous things. And when we get a chance, an opportunity to share the message of hope, to heal somebody internally with the gospel, that's what we do. You know, while we were on vacation, uh, we ran into these uh, a couple of people, you know, who had said they heard about the gospel. And as we started engaging them, me and my wife in conversation and hearing them out, all I kept on hearing is what they have to do to get to God, how they needed to change all their life from the outside so they can get closer to God. They couldn't wear gold chains or earrings or couldn't uh, smoke or drink or listen to a certain type of music and they needed to wear suits. And he says, man, I stopped being a Christian because I wanted to wear my chain and earrings. And I'm thinking to myself, man, okay. But man, it's such a normal thing in that country. So we spent the morning sharing the gospel with him and explained to him how a water bottle, no matter if you paint it black, yellow, green, white, orange, blue, whatever color, if you pour the contents out, they remain clear. Until there's an internal change inside that bottle, it will always come out as water. And I explained to him, unless God changes you from the inside, you're just doing things on your own strength and power. What I really want to highlight today, family, as we're going through this, is understanding that God is using you as a hot spot to bring about change to the neighborhood, to your neighbor, to your brother, to your sister, to your family members, 
We have a mission, and that's to make disciples. You know, we look at this, and we say, wow, God was really at work. So let's do this. Let's turn back one page in my Bible. Maybe it's two or more in yours, but we're going to be turning to Acts chapter 4, verses 29. Is it me, or is it kind of hot in here? Is it kind of hot? Is it just me? Yeah. Can we check the ACs, Chris, in back? Make sure they're, they're, up, they're low, please. Thank you. Summertime's your family. So just a little bit of context. Uh, Peter and John healed the lame man. Uh, they, they questioned uh, uh, Peter and John, you know, in whose th- name and authority did you do this in? He begins to tell them. The believers go back, and they begin to ask and pray for boldness, and this is where it's at. Verse 29 through 30. And now, Lord, look upon their threats, and grant to your service, servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal, and signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. The purpose of miracles taking place at the end of the day, family, when they happen, when someone comes of faith in Christ because you shared a message of hope with them, the purpose of that is to bring glory to God. And when you see maybe a Thea or Theo or somebody sick, a friend sick, and you go to the hospital and you pray for them and they become well, you let them know it was in the name of Jesus. That's the reason why. I've shared the story a couple of times, but I'll share it again. Me and Brother Chris got invited down to um, the Texas Medical Center, and it was a PIC unit. The PIC unit is the most intensive natal needle care, uh, if I said that right, uh, uh, hospital inside of Texas. It is really high tech. And so we walk in there, his name was Paul Jr. There was about three or four doctors in this room, and the baby was three months old, and they had pronounced that the baby had no chance of making it. And so he was connected to all these machines and we remember, I remember as we went in there, um, you can only go two, two people at a time. And so it's me and the grandpa going in this emergency room. And anybody that has kids or knows someone with kids, you know how devastating it is seeing a child on machines. And so we walk in this room. The grandpa's crying. He's just, man, he, he's lost all hope. And he's holding up a picture of the Virgin Mary. And, and, and I say, you know what, let's go ahead and pray. I didn't talk to him anything about, about his religion. I just wanted to pray for the child. Well, we go and pray for the child. We come out. Brother Chris goes in with the father. They pray together. And at the end of the turn, we tell them, hey, guys, when the Lord heals your son, let it be known that it is Jesus who healed your son. It wasn't like if the Lord heals your son. It's the Lord, when the Lord heals your son, know that it was Jesus. And we got reports later that he became well. And he eventually came out the hospital about three, four months ago at Manifest. I met another brother who knew the guy. He showed me a picture of the kid. The kid looked like he put on 30 pounds, you know, a really chubby kid. And, but, but, but my whole point behind that is, is that at that moment that we were there in the midst of, of despair and brokenness, we were able to bring hope and say, hey, it wasn't us, but it was Jesus. 
So when we read this text about the apostles doing these signs and wonders, we need to remember that this is the early church, the bride of Christ, whom he died for, that's at work. And family, it didn't stop there. And it doesn't stop today. We are the agents of change. And every one of you who's believed by faith that Jesus died for your sins and he rose again and that he's alive and thrown every angel, seraphim, cherubim, singing and praising his name, holy is the Lamb of God. We worship that king who lives, who's alive, and who lives in me and you. We are not powerless Christians. And that's what we need to know today, that we have been empowered by the Holy Spirit for the work of ministry. Man, that we would see Man, things untold of in this generation, that we would see amazing things happen, that we would see a revival for people wanting to know Jesus. Because, you know, the message that Jesus preached, the kind of preaching he preached was the kind of message that gets you crucified. I think Steve Lawson said that one time. The kind of message that he brought What's the message that got him crucified? And the reason why that is is because we will face opposition. Let's read verse 17. But the high priest rose up, and all who were with him, that is the party of the Sadducees, and filled, filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in public prison. During the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. That's the gospel. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came and those who were with them, they called together the council, all the senate of the people of Israel, And sent to the prison to have them brought. But when the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, We found the prison securely locked and the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them wondering what this would come to. And then someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple and teaching the people. Then the, pe- then the captain with the officers went and brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charge you not to teach in this name, yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intended to bring this man's blood upon us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on on a tree. God, God exalted him at his right hand as leader Savior, to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses, witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit, 
whom God has given to those who obey. Opposition is going to come, family. They get arrested for doing miracles, for healing people who had sicknesses. The priests in the council, his own people, were jealous of the works that they were doing. They were more concerned about the praise of men than God's work being done. They were jealous. And because of that jealousy, they got locked up. That leads me to my next point, is that opposition will come. Opposition will come, family. It's not a question if it's going to come, it's when it's going to come. Or it may be here already. And we have to understand and know that as God is sovereign, in control of everything, we need not fear when opposition comes. Because, see, what the enemy is going to want to do is what he does best. He's going to want to remind you about your past, or where you've been, the things you've done that nobody knows about in secret. He wants to bring the weight of condemnation, saying, how could you be a daughter of God? How could you be a son after what you did? Because that's what he does best. He brings accusation, condemnation. And he will do everything in his power, everything in his power to make sure that you feel the weight of condemnation upon you. We don't need to worry about that. We don't need to fear. We don't need to say, man, you know what? He's right. I am unworthy. How could God love me? And I sinned again in this same thing again? How could God love me? No. See, that's the mindset of a defeated person who's believed a lie rather than the truth that says, therefore, there remains no condemnation for those who are in Christ. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. And this is a promise that we have to tell ourselves every single day. You know why? Because his mercies are new every day. You know why? Because he cast your sin as far as the east is from the west. Do you know why? It's because he cast our sins to the bottoms, the very depths of the ocean, and they're remembered no more. When the enemy reminds you of your past, as my brother says, you remind him of his coming future. You remind him of where he's going. Because what you're going to find, family, when you stand to, be, to believe in Jesus, your family members may not agree. You may have unbelieving uncles that say, man, you're one of those people. You're one of those while we were in the Dominican, they called them uh, uh, evangelios. You're one of those. When we stand for Jesus, we will be ridiculed, made fun of. We will be seen as those people. But, you know, it's kind of interesting, right? Because as they persecuted Jesus, so they'll persecute us. And that's something to be reminded of 
And I love what Jesus says. Go with me to, to John 16, 33. I love what he says. Sixteen thirty-three, John sixteen thirty-three. Man, this is what Jesus says. I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world, you will. Have tribulation. But take heart. I have overcome the world. That's right before his high priestly prayer. He tells his disciples to take heart. It's already done, family. The enemy's going to try to come against you with every single thing he has in his arsenal. He will use every single weapon against you. He will try to affect your health. He will try to affect your marriage. He will try anything in his power. We look at Job and we see that his health was affected. God allowed it. God allowed it. But we see that God is always in control. And that's what we rest our hope in, is that we serve a sovereign God who withholds no good thing from us. He gives us every single blessing, every single thing that's given to Christ we receive because of the work of Jesus. And that should leave us awestruck. That should leave us in amazement. This is the king that we serve. And we should know, family, that at the end of the day, there will be times while you're on mission. Because every day, as we say here, everyday life is mission. Every day is an opportunity to share the gospel. And sometimes when you're on mission, even in everyday life, things will happen. I'm going to give you an example. I'm going to give you a real-life example. So it was Friday night. Uh, me, Friday night? I think it was Friday night. Friday night. Friday night. Me and my wife, we decided to go take the kids to the movies. And we went out to dinner, went out to this restaurant on Washington, took the kids to the AMC or movie theater, Cinema 8, by the Verizon Theater in downtown. I've been in, th- in downtown a thousand times. I know how crazy it can be. You know, so I'm like, okay, we're going to go at a good time. It's going to be real mellow. It's not going to be too crazy. So the kids had a pretty big meal. So we said, you know what? Let, let them run around that little plaza right there by the Houston Symphony. And so they're running around this place. And as they're running around this place, this guy walks up, and he's passing by. And I just say, man, how's it going? And he says, how's it going? And he sticks his finger at me, you know, his finger. He gives me the bird, right? And I'm like, okay, you know. And so he turns, I turn around, and I see him again. He looks at me, and he does it again. He does it two more times. And, 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 and I'll tell you all something, family. I can, I can deal with that. I can deal with that. But then he does it to my kids. And I'm, I'm, I'm just going to be real with y'all, what that looked like at that moment. At that moment, it was, it, it's not what you see right now. You know, it was very, very heated, very heated. And I started exchanging words with this man. I'm like, how could you disrespect my kids and my family like that? He's like, I don't give up about your family. 
you know, I don't care. Security came. It was a lady. You know, she was trying to blame me, and I'm like, I'm just here with my family. This guy's acting crazy. She's like, you know what? I did see him earlier. He was acting kind of crazy. He ended up leaving. But that night, I was so mad. I was so frustrated. I mean, on a scale of 1 to 10, I was about a 10. Like, man, like, like I, I've trained for MMA. You know, I, I'm not a professional fighter, but I've been in the ring, you know? And I'm thinking to myself, man, I could take this guy. I could take this guy. You know, I, I can go to Jesus later, you know? I'm just being real. And so, man, I'm just like, man, this guy's really pushing my button. Well, you know, we, me and my wife got into a, a disagreement, you know, I know we're saying argument, about how the situation was handled. And at the end of the day, she was right. You know, it could have been defused a lot faster. It could have been a lot different. Uh, but in the moment, it was, just, it was just live, man. It was live. You had to be there. It was just very live. Well, you know, after really thinking about it and taking it to the Lord, you know, and my wife told me that night, she's like, he's just being used by Satan. He's just being used by Satan. And I started really thinking about that. I'm like, man, if we really believe what God's word teaches us, we know what it says in 2 Corinthians 4, 4, that the God of this world has blinded the hearts and minds of unbelievers. And what we see is, man, Satan uses people, you know, just to take, to try to, to rob, our, rob our joy. Because everything was going good at that point, you know. We're spending time with the kids, having good laughs. I'm making them run back and forth and do jumping jacks and do all this crazy stuff for a dollar. I'm getting a kick out of life, you know, and they're having fun, you know. But the enemy will attack. That's, that's my point, family. But when he does, when he uses people like that, that's the point that I was getting to is that we need to be reminded it's not against them. It's not against flesh and blood, right? Go with me, to, if you could, to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. This is what the word of the Lord says. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. When we come across people whom Satan is using, we have to remember when Jesus removed demons out of people, he didn't treat them with contempt, but he freed them. And my point is, family, is that people can be used by Satan to try to hurt you emotionally, physically. And remember, you know what? Forgive them. I had a hard time forgiving that guy, you know. And any guy in this room will tell you when someone has their magic finger in your face like that, it's very tempting to punch them in the face. Can I get an Amen. Okay, that's okay. Everybody, okay. All right. Thank you, sister. Thank you very much. Okay, again. <laughs> but at the end of the day, what we see is, you know, we're going to receive opposition. And that's what we see with the disciples, with the apostles right here. They're, they're going through this opposition. The angel of the Lord sets them free out of jail. And they go exactly, they go back in the temple to go give the message of hope. 
They didn't try to, 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 to leave and run. They go back into the mission field to do what they were called to do, even though it meant their life. Like, watch this. After they're speaking, this is what they say, verse 33. And when, when they heard this, the council, they were in rage and wanted to kill them. By what they heard, they wanted to kill these people. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamiel, a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people, stood up and gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel. But I imagine it's more raspier, you know, like an old man, you know, like men of Israel, you know. Take care of what you're about to do with these men. For before these days, he's given them a time frame what happened before. Theodos rose up, claiming to be somebody, and a number of men, about 400, joined him, and he was killed. And all who followed him were dispersed and came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. He's given them a reminder of every single time that men has tried to do something on their own power, their own authority, by their own way, doing their own thing, it's going to fail. That's what he's reminding them of. So watch this, verse 38. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. Watch this. But if it is of God, you will not, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. Opposition will not stop the mission. It's my last point. Opposition will not stop God's mission. God's word will go forward and it will accomplish what God has set it to do. And know this, is that every single follower, every single new creator, new creation in Christ has been set apart by Jesus for good works. I love the New Living Translation. It says that we're his masterpiece. Set aside for good works that we would bring honor and glory to his name. Opposition will not stop the mission. And God will use you to be the agent of change. Don't need to be fearful about men. You don't need to worry about what people think about you. Because your king, your savior, has declared you to be his already. It's more important to be seen and known in the eyes of God as his child, rather an illegitimate child. We are his children, and he's promised us, sealed us with his Holy Spirit until the day of redemption, that we would do exactly what God has called us to do. We can walk in that, knowing that it's not our own strength, it's not our own power, but he's leading us guiding us, 
man, that we would fall to our knees and just ask the Lord to continue to remove the things in our lives that stop us from following what he has for us. Because I'll be the first one to tell you, family, you know, when we fall into, you know, idolatry, either be, my, my case, business, when I become so business-minded and so focused on work, man, I easily forget. But I go back to the Lord. Lord, forgive me, Lord, for putting work before you. When I'm tempted to look at my emails in the morning versus opening my word and spending some time with him before the day starts, because I know it's going to be hectic. I know it's going to be crazy. But opposition will not stop God's mission. God's word will do what it's supposed to do. So today, family, I'll leave us with this, is that you and I are hot spots. Every one of us who have trusted in the Lord Jesus are hot spots, used by him. It's not our power, but we're trusting in the power of Christ, the resurrected Jesus. He's not the Jesus on the cross. He's not the Jesus in the grave. He's the Jesus on the throne of all heaven, with all authority, with all might, with all glory, with every angel singing praise. And one day, you and I will be for his presence. I encourage you. If you find yourself today, family, having forgotten that, having backslid, walked away, you feel yourself not as committed I'd be the first one to tell you, I've been there. But there's mercy. There's grace. Already there for you. He's already waiting for us with open arms to come back. And that's the beautiful thing about the king we serve. That he never casts us away. A thousand times we fail. But man, his love and mercy still remain. Let that be the heartbeat for our hearts this day. Go ahead and bow your heads in prayer with me. Heavenly Father, as we're reminded, Lord, in your word, how the apostles continued to meet in the temple from house to house, sharing the glorious hope, Lord, found in you. The message of what you've done to restore man unto yourself. The hope that they called life. That we would truly experience life. That we would realize this day that we all need healing. Because we're born as sinners. And only you can truly heal this heart, Lord. Because the heart that we have without you, Lord, is a heart of stone. We need life. You are the life giver, the life bearer. And you give life to whom you give life to, Lord. So I pray, Father God, that this day, this day today, Lord, that you would move in the power of your spirit, O God. And the life of that person that does not know you or that's walked away from you or that feels that this is, they're done. That they would know that there's hope. That there's restoring grace already there for us. 
on reserves. That you would bring us to a place, oh God, to be real with you, to lay down all our sin, Lord, at your feet, to call upon your name this day, Lord, and say, Lord, I'm tired of holding on to this or that. I want you more than anything. Holy Spirit, only you can do this work. So I ask of you, I plead with you upon the people's behalf that you would work in their lives, Lord. And that you would do a supernatural work in their lives and that they would fall deeper and ever more in love with you every single day. And that you would ignite a passion, a blazing fire, a flame in their hearts, oh God. In my heart as well, Lord. That it would consume every single idol, Lord God. And that you would be number one in our hearts and our lives, oh God. But apart from you, we can do nothing. So we ask this day, have your way with us, oh God. Lead us to the ever-living water of Christ that we would drink freely from it, Lord. We need of you, God. Let our relationship not just be superficial on top, but let us experience, Lord, that well of grace, that well of joy, that well of hope, that well of relationship with you, Lord God, that we are yours, that we are yours. We need of you, O oh God. Guide us, Lord. Lead us, Lord, to your Son every day. In Jesus' name, Amen.